Hola Guapas, and welcome to episode three of the Hola Guapa podcast. I'm your host, Nisha Patash, the founder of Hola Guapa, which is now a blog, online shop, and community of almost 10,000 female creatives from all over the world. For those who are new to the show, I like to start off each episode with what's new at Hola Guapa and share a new tip or trick to help inspire your hustle and keep your creative juices flowing. I like to call this segment, Hot Take, Hot Tip. So, My hot take this week relates to this episode in a major way because I've been thinking a lot about the label influencer and how it relates to us as creatives, artists, and entrepreneurs. Now, I'm not talking about Instagram models selling hair vitamins and offering promo codes to every brand under the sun. I'm talking about women who have real influence, or rather women who are influential, women who are leading the lives you aspire to lead. The reason I bring this up is because recently I sent one of the Ola Guapa Black Lives Matter t-shirts to my friendly and mega influencer Erica Stolman of The Fashion Lush. She posted the tea in her stories and I was sold out of every size within three days. Three days, you guys. I had been posting about this tea and how 100% of the proceeds will go directly to the Black Lives Matter organization for over a month. And the purchases trickled in, but with Erica's influence, the sales spiked. And as a community, we were able to raise our goal of $1,000. That's powerful. It got me thinking about the actual importance of having an influence over our following. When it comes to building our own business and the work, passion, dedication, creativity, and consistency it makes to happen have that happen. This isn't something to make light of and requires focus, attention, and strategy, which leads me to my hot tip of the week. Pick three influencers you admire and study them. What about them are you drawn to? What do they stand for? What is their voice, their style, their aesthetic? What influence do they have over your purchasing decisions? How are they informing your opinions? And then determine your own. Take a deep dive and decide on the who, what, when, where, and why so that your influence is intentional and impactful. I'm super excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Arielle Calderon, and her story is wild. Formerly a writer at BuzzFeed, Arielle publicly shared her weight loss journey in an article that went viral, leading her to become an instant influencer of 30,000 new followers overnight. Can you imagine What came next was the unhealthy pressure to keep losing more and more weight, thoughts of suicide, and an eating disorder. In this episode, you'll learn how Arielle turned her viral hell into a creative outlet and successful side hustle, now inspiring over 168,000 women on Instagram alone to cancel diet culture, find their voice, personal style, and embrace their self-worth. So without wasting any more time, let's welcome Arielle to the show. where do I even begin? Um, So I was at BuzzFeed for six years. And when I first started at BuzzFeed, I was an intern, and then just sort of worked my way up to staff writer. Um, And then I was leading the community team for a couple of years. And then I transitioned into a role that was definitely not good for me. So in the time that I was working on the community team, I decided to go on Weight Watchers and I lost a ton of weight at the, at that point it was, I think 85 pounds. So I had lost all of this weight. And of course, like I was just getting endless compliments, endless validation, um, just like all of these things. And somebody on the health team asked if I would like to write an article about it. And at the time I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I wrote an article and then, um, Overnight, I went from like 115 Instagram followers to like over 30,000 Instagram followers. Wow. It was absolutely wild and just something I've never experienced before. So all of these people just like flooded to my page. Um, And of course, like it's just extra validation of like, oh, now people give a shit about me, who I am as a person because of this. So I became very, very obsessed with weight loss. I, my entire feed was just like recipes with low points from Weight Watchers or low calorie or using like zucchini pasta or using spaghetti squash, which like I love spaghetti squash, but I was doing it in a way that was like, clearly I'm just trying to continue to lose weight and stay on that path. Um, And I would do like, I would work out 
like six to seven days a week, always like an hour at a time, never took a break. Um, and just like, I kept getting more and more followers. I kept writing more about it at Buzzfeed and it's just like the increased validation. So I just got very, very obsessed to the point where I couldn't think about anything else. I was like dreaming of brownies and I was like what the actual fuck is happening like it was crazy and like I I just nothing was more important to me than what I would eat that day and I would think about food all day long of just like what am I gonna have for dinner what am I gonna have for lunch what can I make today like what do I need to buy at the grocery store It, it just was never ending um and now I don't think about food in that sense at all so it's just it's such a difference, but, um, essentially all of that led to an eating disorder and I was in a really, really awful place. Um, I was very just like vacant at work. Um, like no, no, no one was home, you know, (laughs) like lights on, no one's home. Um, it was, it was very bizarre. Um, people would always come up to me and be like, are you okay? You look sad. And I was, cause I was, I just, I couldn't do anything besides focus on food. Um, and if, and then I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I like would start eating stuff. Like I would eat Oreos again, but I couldn't just eat two Oreos. I had to eat like 10 Oreos and then it would become a whole bag of Oreos. So, and then of course I started gaining weight and it felt like my life was ending and it was just horrible. It was a horrible time. Like my, my mind went through a lot at that point. Um, so yeah, so then I, I finally quit Weight Watchers. I got myself a therapist. I got myself in intuitive eating, um, dietitian and kind of just transitioned into becoming more about travel. And, um, from there it became more about body positivity and body acceptance, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, my whole vibe just like changed. Um, was there like a specific moment that you can remember, um, that you were like, I'm done with this. Like, obviously you felt so trapped, um, trying to like live up to the pressure that maybe in some ways was a lot in your head, but it was also manifesting itself on your social media account, um, with all the validation. Was there a moment where you were like, I don't care. I want to be happy that you can remember specifically. Yeah. Um, there was a day I was at BuzzFeed and I was on like the rooftop that they have. Um, and I remember I just cried for roughly two to three hours. Like I was not working at all. I was just sitting outside. Um, I called my friend who lives in San Francisco. I called my friend who at the time lived in Amsterdam and I was just so done. And I, like, I just remember just like crying hysterically on the roof, trying to like have no one else see me. <laughs> um, and I was trapped in my own thoughts and I was thinking like, what if I just jumped off the roof? And that was like a moment that just hit me so hard. Um, because it's, I mean, like now looking at back at it, it's like crazy to think like, that was even a thought I had just because I was gaining weight. Like it should never have come to that point, but it did. And that's why I had to call my friends because I was, I was having these thoughts and I was like, I can't have these, like, I can't do that to myself. So I called my friends um, and just cried hysterically on the phone to them, telling them like how I was feeling and they were doing everything they could to comfort me. And um yeah, that was really the point that I knew I was like, can't, I just can't do it anymore. Um, and I knew how toxic the whole diet culture was to me and what it was doing to me and my, my thoughts, my mental health. Um, and nothing could, nothing was worse than what it was doing to my mental health. So. Wow. Yeah. I know, like, from what I understand, I mean, you know, weight loss or eating disorder or, um, you know, suffering from any of those things is very personal, but it sounds like you were experiencing it like in front of such a large following. Do you think like, take us back like to when you were on the community team and you originally started, um, you said yes to the article and you had started, you were already 85 pounds 
lost, right? In your weight loss journey. Yeah. Was there a moment there that, you know, was it the culture, do you think, where you were working? Was it um, a specific project? Or why did you start the weight loss journey, like, to begin with? I guess I just, I mean, my whole life, I've kind of grown up being overweight. That was, I don't know, my, my dad, he was the type that just wanted me to eat. Like, he did it in a loving way, but it was hurtful in other ways. Um, he never did it in a malicious way. It was him trying to be caring and it would just be like two dinners or like, you know, whatever it might be that there was, we ate out a lot. Um, like my dad would always get takeout and stuff. So I was just like overweight as a kid all the time. Um, and I always felt that I just never got attention. Um, like I was friends with all of the hot cheerleaders who then became Hooters girls, which is (laughs) a whole thing, which is wild. But, you know, like I literally was like friends with all of the popular girls in school and they were all like so beautiful and always had boyfriends. And I didn't, I, I never had a boyfriend. I never, I just did it. I don't know. Um, I think I was always just so uncomfortable in my body and, you know, at this point, I don't know, I was, 28, 27, 20, I don't know. I can't do math right now, but whenever it was that all of this started, um, I, at that point I was like, I just like want to find someone. I want to be happy with my body. I want to feel like confident and I want to feel good. And, um, I want people to respect me in other ways and not just say like, Oh, I'm dedicated to my job or something. So I think I literally just got pressured by myself, like thinking that this is going to make my life better. And this is like a very common thing with weight loss is like, once I get to X amount of weight, like I can do this. Or once I get there, or once I fit in this size pants, I'm going to be able to go on all of these dates. And it's such a, a crazy thing that we do to ourselves thinking that once we hit a goal weight or something, like all of a sudden, magically, everything's going to go to plan. And it never does. It's like a whole other slew of problems. Um, So yeah, I think I just like was fed up. And I was like, I just want to be loved by somebody. Um, And of course, the ironic thing is like, I found love once I let go of all of that, and I gained weight back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so take us to like present day. So um, everything has happened, you know, you've, you've gained the followers, you've, you've sort of kind of taken that roller coaster ride, and now you've made the decision that you're going to just do you. And I know that you talk about leaning into intuitive eating. Yeah. Is it um, more of a diet or is it, how would you explain it? No, no, no. So intuitive eating is more like a concept. Um, I read the book, um, which I found so, so helpful. And Essentially, what they say is like, we're all born as intuitive eaters. So we eat when we're hungry, we stop when we're full. So when we're like babies, like a baby doesn't just sit there and overeat and overeat and overeat because their body like doesn't allow it or like they just don't do that because they're a child. So it's kind of this concept of just eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full and not having any sort of dietary restrictions, unless it's like medical that you have to, you know? So the, the whole basis of intuitive eating is really just, you can eat cookies, you can eat pizza, but like, that doesn't mean that you are not a person who's also going to eat salad. Like it's kind of just having no rules on your food, but also not eating to a point where you're just mindlessly eating. It's supposed to be like, you, you understand when you're eating, you make it a thing like, hi, I'm sitting here and eating my meal. I'm enjoying my meal. And then once I'm full, I'm going to stop. Or once I feel like I'm around full, I'm going to stop. So it's kind of, it's, it's not really some like revolutionary idea. It's really just right. what we're born with and what we're supposed to do. But the problem is like, so many people have just been attacked by diet culture in like all sorts of ways, whether it's like blatantly saying like you need to lose weight or seeing something in a magazine or noticing people on TV, the people that you look up to that they all look a certain way. There's, 
there's just so many different aspects of this that kind of make you believe that you have to be on a diet in order to maintain like the lifestyle you want. Yeah. Um, which is bullshit. So it's, it's really not a revolutionary idea. It's just more like eat when you want, stop when you're full. Yeah. It's almost more of just like an awareness. And I think you're just checking in with your body to see like how you feel. And also I think it's, it's probably, um, like a mental check-in too. Like, okay, am I upset? Is that why I'm eating when I'm, when I'm already full or it's just kind of having more like being in tune, I guess is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, exactly. When you decided to make the transition to like, let your following know how long was it before, let's say you were keeping up with all of this um, pressure and all of the, and doing all of this weight loss until you realized you wanted to stop. And then when you made that post or you made that announcement, what was that reaction like? Yeah. So basically all of these things were happening. And if I were to even read back the captions, I can only imagine how like desperate I was of like calling for attention here of just like something's wrong with me. Um, but yeah, I, I basically at one point decided to just get off Instagram. So I deleted the app from my phone for, I think it was three months. Um, and I didn't post anything. And then once I, I had done like by then a lot of therapy, my dietitian, um, and I was also in some like anonymous meetings, um, like 12 step anonymous meetings. So after doing that, I finally felt comfortable enough to be like, maybe now is the time that I can reintroduce myself. So, um, I then put an Instagram post and it was, it was like a photo of a bagel and I was just explaining, like, I'm eating a real bagel. Like I am not doing this like (laughs) bullshit fake bagel stuff. That's like a hundred calories. Like I'm just not doing it. So I posted about this just being like, I realized so much about my body, my mental health. And like, I just cannot live in this, this state anymore. Like I'm not going to do Weight Watchers anymore. Um, and I wrote like a, a piece too on my website about I quit Weight Watchers and here's why. So in terms of my Instagram posts, I got really positive reaction. People were um, also praising me, which was funny considering I got so much praise for the weight loss and that's what gave me so much validation but then I was getting a whole other set of validation of like this is okay um so on my Instagram page a lot of people were very very positive on my (laughs) the I quit Weight Watchers and here's why article not so positive um I just got like a lot of Weight Watchers people being upset and defending the program and you know blaming me and saying that like you're not Weight Watchers is not the reason you have an eating disorder etc. Which is fine. You know, you, people will believe what they want to believe. I believe that at the end of the day, Weight Watchers is a corporate company that's depending on your dollars and does stuff to uh, still install diet mentality. Like it just, that is what it is. And like, if people don't want to believe that, that's fine. Um, But that was my belief. And so the, the reaction was mixed, but overwhelmingly, it, it definitely was positive, which was good. And even now, like I get DMs all the time from people saying like, I had to unfollow you because I just like couldn't take the diet stuff anymore. Like it was making me feel so bad. So I'm like, so glad that I rediscovered you and you're like a whole new person and you talk about way different things. I would imagine it would be like a different quality of a follower too. Um, you know, somebody who's looking for sort of like a quick diet trick or, um, just like, um, you know, low calorie recipes versus somebody who's looking, um, towards a person who's really working on the inside to make themselves feel good. And, um, talking about things that, yeah, maybe aren't trendy or popular to eat a real bagel, but, um, like I'm going to do that anyways, because I'm, I'm feeding myself from the inside too. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, I just learned so much from that process too. And it's, it's crazy to think like during my whole diet phase, there were just certain foods that like a lot of people will call red light foods. So just stuff that you cannot touch because if you touch it, you'll eat like so much of it that you'll start to binge on it. I had so many red light foods and it was 
stuff that I just like didn't even care about or I like I wouldn't eat normally like it was really odd um and I don't do that at all anymore like I can eat two Oreos I can eat one Oreo and like be fine be satisfied like I don't need another one and I can you know like have a bagel and not feel like I need another bagel and that was something too was like when I was going through all this like BuzzFeed had a bagel Friday and I would always bring my own diet bagel and eat it with everyone else. So I felt like I was a part of it. And I remember one day I had a real bagel and I like, I like the whole time I felt guilty about it as if like, is this wrong? Am I supposed to be doing this? And I told my dietitian about this and she was like, I want you to have a bagel every single Friday, like for the rest of the month. And the first time I did it, I ended up binging and I had like two and a half bagels, which is insane to me now because I'd be like, I'm literally so full on one bagel. Like how could I eat two and a half? But at the time it doesn't matter. It's like your stomach is a bottomless pit because your mind is so focused on food that you haven't been able to eat this whole time. And just like giving yourself that sort of restriction, it just like puts your mind like almost like an animal instinct as like, I have to consume this to live. Um, so that's how I felt at the time. And I would just binge on stuff. And I, I just don't do that at all anymore because I don't have restrictions on any type of food. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point. I feel like restrictions can be so dangerous. I know even for myself, if I say like, okay, I'm going to do this whole month without dairy because I want to lose two pounds or five pounds, or I want to look better in a bikini. And then at the end of the month, it's like that date comes and all of a sudden it's like, give me all the dairy you possibly can. Yeah. And you know, I, I've, personal experience, like my body doesn't work like that. Like I don't lose the five pounds in the 30 days and then eat the dairy and keep it off. The second you start eating it again, all the weight comes back on. So it really is kind of like, um, you know, to restrict yourself, I think can be really dangerous. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's something that people just don't talk about enough just because a lot of the times when you talk about restriction, people automatically think like anorexia, like they Mm -hmm. go to the extremes. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're either like bulimic or you're anorexic. And it's like, there's just so much in between there that we do to ourselves. And, you know, someone would never look at me at the time and be like, oh, she's anorexic. But really based on my behavior, I was pretty anorexic. Like I wasn't, I would like stop eating if I just like didn't want to gain weight. And it was like, that's not okay. Like your body needs calories to survive. And it must have been so hard too, because I mean, at this time, people are looking at you as an influencer, as a leader, Um, I guess, to to kind of like um, lean more into the business side of it. Were you um, doing any sponsorships at the time? Were brands reaching out to you? What was that like? What was the business side of it looking like for you at that time? Yeah, I definitely got um, a lot of different brands that would reach out to me for promotion but it was mostly like like there was a a bagel brand that was like low calorie so I remember having that part of it and it was like an affiliate basis so I would make money if people bought it um I definitely did that a lot and can you walk us through affiliate affiliate links really quick oh yeah sure so um the way that many bloggers work honestly I don't know a blogger who doesn't um but part of the way that we make money is through affiliate links. So essentially there are different programs that we can link up to um, and we can get our special like unique links. So if I were to put the link for something and you click on it and you buy it, I make commission off of your purchase. This is no added value, no added cost to you at all. This is based on the brand. So they're the ones that are like losing that money, I guess you could say. And, but it's also like such a small commission most of the time, like, you know, 10 to 15% commission is really, really high. Um, But other, other times it's like very low. So you can either bank on it or make nothing on it. Like it totally depends. Um, But yeah, so that's what the basis of affiliate links are. Um, So yeah, I, I did some affiliate stuff and I definitely had some brands that I wish I hadn't worked with because now it kind of makes me sad. And there are brands now that I know I would never work with. Um, doesn't matter how much money they offer me. It's not, it's just not worth it for me because it's not me. Um, and I want to be authentic to 
my followers and to like who I am. And I don't want to promote something that I just like don't believe in. Was there a pressure there like from the business um, side of it to like keep up with all of those um, affiliates or any of your partnerships that you had at the time? Or were you just like, I'm totally done with this? Yeah, I was more just like, I'm totally done with this. I mean, it was the, the thing for me is I'm very privileged in the sense that this side of my business is a side hustle. Like okay. I have a full-time job, so I have a salary and I have health benefits. So to me, it's like, that's my money maker. The extra stuff is awesome for, you know, just living the lifestyle I want to live or putting it in the savings account. In this case, it's putting it towards the dog that Jason and I are getting. So they're, you know, it, it depends. But for me, like, I am lucky that this isn't my only source of income. So it's just different. Like bloggers who depend on this stuff, it's, it's like a different lifestyle for them than it is for me. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Do you think, um, would you consider yourself like a creative Um, yeah, I I think I'm a creative. I don't think I'm at the level of some other people, but I, I like to strategize and really like think things through and do some stuff that's different. Um, you know, I've gotten really into trying to do some video editing and I do a lot of like outfit change videos now. Um, and I'm trying to be a little bit more creative in the way that I make some sponsored content and not just doing like a normal photo. Like I would love to do like more creative concepts. And there are just so many amazing influencers I follow who do the coolest stuff. Um, And I get a lot of ideas from them too, or inspiration. So I think I I am a creative, but I'm also an analytical person. Yeah. It's like interesting talking to you. I feel like this is, um, you know, as you mentioned, your, your side hustle, it feels like a creative outlet for you. And I think that sometimes influencers can get a lot of like, um, hate just saying, you know, that they're just posting pictures of themselves or outfits, or I think people don't really understand, um, the, the creativity that goes into it and that it really is a form of art to be able to communicate your message, um, through how you're doing it, you know, through picture, through video, through written word, through blog. I mean, it, it's super creative to me. So I was just curious if you interpreted it like that. Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's my creative outlet. Um, you know, on the, on my salary side, right. My full-time job, it's, I'm more like communications, like client side communications, um, overseeing things, making sure things go correctly. So it's definitely more, you know, analytical, I guess you could say on that side. Um, but yeah, when I, when I do my own stuff, it's like, I get to just kind of do what I want and experiment. And I love that. Um, I love to see what I could really bring to a brand and what kind of creative outlet I could have. I also like love numbers. So to me, like I find it fascinating that people swipe up on my stories and actually make a purchase. Um, and it's such a valuable tool to really think about. It's like, wow, people actually listen to me and like are interested in the products I'm promoting and, you know, the resources I'm providing and anything like that. I just find it so fascinating and I love it of seeing, um, what does well, what, what doesn't do well. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's really cool. It's, it's so different than what I ever thought I would be doing with my life. It, it, to me, I totally agree. Like the analytics of what people engage with and what people like and what people don't, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, I think even going back to talking about sort of like the quality of, of followers that changed when you changed, you know, um, what, what are you, what do you find is that people are loving? Like, what are people swiping up on and purchasing the most? What do you, do you, is there any sort of pattern there? Um, yeah, I think like people can definitely tell when you, are not really into something versus when you are. Um, Like people see through it. So you have to be like very authentic, but people love some of the outfits that I wear. Like I would say that's become such a big part of my brand now, which is crazy because I used to 
hide my body in all kinds of ways. You know, like I would wear big shirts, I would wear leggings and I, I would just like, wouldn't show my body shape at all in the clothing I was wearing. Um, I used to hate my hips so much and there's just so many different parts of my body. I, I would never want people to see or her figure out, you know? So even that part of it, of just like me showing rompers that I'm wearing, which I'm wearing one right now, <laughs> or like, um, just, just all these different outfits, like dresses and, um, even like crop tops now, which never would have worn <laughs> before. So I think like people like to see that I am a bigger girl. I am a plus size girl, but I can also like rock an outfit the same way that a smaller girl can. Like it doesn't make me a, a worse person. It doesn't make me an uglier person. It's just like, I just happen to have a different body. So it's pretty like strange and fascinating how um, the whole thing, my whole vibe has just shifted. But I think like, that's just such a big part of it now. It's like outfits do so well for me. Um, like people love to just see that stuff. And um, they also love, I would say anything to do with like skin or hair tends to do well as, as well. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's funny how you, you know, maybe started talking about food and, and lean more into like recipes and dietary and then, you know, to come out on the other side of it, feeling good, looking good. And then those are, you know, the different products that people are responding to. Like you said, they can tell what you, what you like and what you don't like. And that authenticity is really what will lead somebody to make a purchase when they see you feeling good and looking good and what you're wearing. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I'm sure every single influencer has taken a deal that they only took it because they needed money. I myself have for sure done it. I wish I hadn't done it, but I did it. Um, cause at the time it was like, I just needed money or I was excited about the idea of it. Um, but I think like, as time goes on, you, you come to realize like who your brand is, what you want your brand to be. Um, and you, you are dedicated, hugely dedicated to actually, um, only endorsing things that you love. Can you walk us through like what taking a deal looks like? So as are the brands reaching out to you? Are you reaching out to them? Um, I'm sure there's a combo, but, um, I'm curious what that, what that process looks like. Um, mostly brands come to me. So there are just so many different platforms, um, that influencers can, can sign up for. And, um, once you're on there, it's like, it totally depends on which platform you're on um, and how that agency itself does business. But usually once you join the platform, like they have the ability to search through everyone who's on their platform and source people for certain campaigns. So maybe they're using keywords or they're using parameters of followers or engagement rates. Um, so they can figure out like who they want for a campaign. So you know, I'm probably more likely to get sourced for like plus size clothing, travel, um, anything like body positivity wise, or um, more like well-being, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that usually I'm approached for. Sometimes I'm approached for things where I'm like, this literally makes zero sense. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Um, so it, it, it depends, but usually the brand will come to you and most of the time they offer you like no money, which is really upsetting. And it's usually on the influencer to negotiate higher. Um, and then you go through a negotiation process. What is, you, what is no money? I'm curious, like in context. Um, sometimes it'll just be like, we would like to send you free blah, blah, okay. blah. Okay. So like literally for, no money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In exchange for an Instagram right. post. And I'm like, no. Right. But sometimes it's, you know, sometimes they offer um, lower amounts. Like, I mean, it definitely depends on how many followers you have, what your engagement rate is, um, what your like vibe is. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of different factors that go into actually choosing a person, but there's just so many times where like, I, I got one that I found so offensive once it was like, 
oh, we would like you to do an Instagram post, an Instagram story, and we'll give you like a $20 credit or something. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like literally leave. (laughs) Like it was nuts. I think Um, that those brands, again, like they're not understanding. um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like what goes into creating a post um, or a story and how much, I mean, it sounds silly, but it really, it really is true. Like I could spend hours putting together a post because it means so much to me and and I want to provide value to, um, you know, anybody who's following me and be like a resource. And I think that they think that you're just taking a quick picture and posting it and therefore it's worth two minutes of your time, but they don't know all the backstory that goes into how you're going to set it, how you're going to edit it, how you're going to, what you're, how you're going to comment on it. And I just, exactly. It's, it's it's like, I'm also buying things to help with this too, right? It's like, I'm buying props, I'm buying apps, I'm buying editing software. um, I'm buying a camera, like things go into this whole, this whole idea, right? It's like, we actually put our own money into it to make sure that it does well, or like it looks nice because we also expect the brand to use this on like their own social channels or whatever is negotiated in there. So there a lot of work goes into it. Some influencers don't, some influencers just post a photo and that's it. But a lot of people are actually really creative and take the time and do some awesome stuff. So and those are the people that should be paid accordingly. But it is ridiculous to me that like just so many times I've been approached for deals where I'm like, this is just like, you're a corporation, you're getting like this many impressions and you want to offer me like this much money. Like it, it's just ridiculous to me. Like, yeah. I mean, I could go on and on about like how rates work. Like it's different for everyone, but um with like, let's say a person has a hundred thousand followers and they have like a 3% engagement rate for like one Instagram post and one Instagram story, they should be getting like at minimum, like 2.53 K, you know? And it's like, sometimes that offer would be like $500 and it's like, no, like what? You're a corporation. You can afford this, like get away. And it's kind of crazy too, because like you said, um, you know, they depend on you, like they're coming to you. So obviously there's a need, but it feels like there's a disconnect in the value, even though like inherently they must know that there's value if they're coming to you. (laughs) Right. Right. It's just, it's a very frustrating thing, but negotiating that back and forth, what's been, what's would be like your biggest um, piece of advice, you know, just in terms of everything that we've talked about on the business side of it so far, like negotiating your worth. And I know that you're super passionate about that. Can you speak to that a little bit? I definitely think like influencers need to know their worth. Um, but they also need to understand like that they, they have to set it realistically too, (laughs) because I've also worked with a lot of people who have managers and managers will negotiate the craziest stuff. And I'm like, this makes me never want to work with you again because what you're asking for is actually ridiculous. And it's like, there's just no budget for this. And like, you're also asking to take away budget from other people who actually would depend on this money. And they're not just like a wealthy white woman, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's just such a big part of this industry that like really pisses me off, to be honest. Um, is there's just so many wealthy white influencers who are getting so much money because they have these managers who just like negotiate the hell on their behalf, but it's like, you don't deserve all of this money. Like you just don't like what you're providing is not up to standard, but I mean, that's kind of a whole other thing, but people do need to understand their worth and like understanding that like usage rights is a part of your contract and exclusivity is a part of your contract and you should charge according to that um and just understand that like you're putting in effort you're putting in work you're paying for props you're paying for other stuff that goes into all of this um maybe you're paying for the subscription for your website and you know there's just there's a whole list that people probably don't think about so that just really understanding your worth and not accepting things just to accept it um, because it's not worth it most of the times. And like, you should get paid for what you're doing because 
at the end of the day, the brand is just getting something super cheap, you know? And it's like, I understand if it's a small business, if it's a small business, most of the time, like the small businesses will send me something and I'll just freely promote it. Like I'm not being asked to promote it. Like they say it would be nice, but it's not required. It's not in a sort of contract. Um, I'm just doing it because I like the product and like, I want to show it off and like, I don't make any money on affiliate links for that because it's a small business. So it's like, they're not even in the system for that kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's different, but like when it comes to corporations, like don't let them just like walk all over you and basically give you no money. Yeah. It seems like it's a give and take. And it's almost like, I know you mentioned like, don't take the deals. Um, you know, even though you had and, and you regret it, but it almost seems like it might be something that you'd have to go through just, just to realize it. Like, it seems yeah. like, yeah, you know, I wish that it would be something so easily taught, but it feel, it seems like you might actually just have to go through it to know what feels icky, what feels right, how to ask for more. Is that yeah. what you would say? Or do you feel like there's actually a formula or has there been a resource or a tool that, you know, is almost more like a calculator? Okay. My engagement and my, um, you know, followership is this much. And so I can charge this much. Um, I, it's definitely like you have to kind of feel it in your gut. Like there are yeah. some things that I will take that is just a free gift just because I want to, because I, I like the product or I know like I can sell affiliate money. Like I can get affiliate money by just putting the links up for these because they're like cute outfits. Like it kind of just is a, you sort of figure it out. But I would say if you're an influencer with above, if you have above 2% engagement rate, that's good. If you have above like a 10% engagement rate and you have like a decent amount of followers. So let's say you have like at least 30,000 followers and you have between like a five or above a 5% engagement rate, that's really good. And you should be paid. And so for, you know, and I don't think people understand this. For, for those who don't even know how to check their engagement rate, where would you find that? Um, that's a little harder. There are you probably have to just like Google some websites. Like I can see it because I work at an influencer agency. So we have the ability to, it's like on our platform for us to see. Um, so that makes it easy for me. And we pay for other programs that also allow us to see more stuff. Um, but I'm sure there's a way to Google, like how do I calculate my Instagram engagement rate? And there must be like a free tool out there that kind of like gives the rundown. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just so much that goes into this. And I've worked with some influencers who have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and then their stories is like, they have like 2000 impressions, which is awful. Like Mm -hmm. it's so, that's really, really bad. Like, Mm -hmm. and their swipe ups are like nothing, you know, like maybe they'll get like five to 10 swipe ups and it's like, that's not effective at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's what pisses me off too, is because those people should not be getting paid an outrageous amount of money if they can't even convert on their stories, because that's the biggest way to convert is on stories since there's a swipe up right there. So Mm. there's like a whole, like this industry is like kind of wild and there's so much to go into it. I know it's so fascinating to me. I do kind of want to switch gears a little. I want to talk about your love story. When I met Jason, um, it's funny. It's kind of like after I started recovering from everything, like that was really the only time that I knew I was ready for something was I had finally accepted who I was, what, where my body was at, what I looked like. Um, I wasn't dieting anymore. Like it was just a different, it was a different perspective I had of myself. So I felt at that point I was comfortable enough to like finally begin dating again. Um, so I went on hinge and Jason, I actually messaged him. Um, the way that Hinge works is there's different like prompts. So um, on his prompt, he said, it was like, my dream vacation is, and he put Wakanda, which is from Black Panther. And then on mine, I had, what can't you shut up about? And <laughs> I put um, how Thor had really good character development in Ragnarok, and I think he's the best Avenger. So our Marvel places, I just, um, I saw his and I was like, oh my God, like, I love that. So I messaged him first 
Um, and then we started talking and he was like my first date after everything I had gone through. I hadn't dated in like two years and he was the first date I went on. And we, what was that like? I mean, before dating before versus dating sort of after this whole, like, I feel like it was like a revolutionary journey for you. It was, I mean, when I was dating during my weight loss, it was terrible. Like I specifically remember going on a date with a guy and we went to the Smith which is like a restaurant here in New York. And we got Brussels sprouts. And I remember in my head panicking that like, can I eat the Brussels sprouts? Cause they have oil on them. Mm. And I don't know if they have butter on them. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, should I have one glass of wine? Can I have two glasses of wine? Or is that too many Weight Watchers points? Like it was nuts, but this is what I'm trying I to, to get myself. to know you. Right. And you're having this I'm whole so internal in battle. Yeah, exactly. I just find it so wild because Jason's my first boyfriend and I always thought like, I don't know, like what my dating life is going to be like. And, you know, I dated late because Mm -hmm. I was so concerned with my body growing up that Mm -hmm. I never allowed myself to date anyone else. Yeah. You didn't make room in your, in your head even for, for the idea of it. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. I never entertained the idea that like I would actually date. Like I had my first date when I was 15 I went on a second date when I was like 16 and then I didn't go on a date again until I had lost all of my weight. So that was, I don't even know how many years in between that. I was, I was probably like 26 or 27. It's so like 10 years, 11 years. I hadn't gone on a date <laughs> and then I stopped again for two years and then I went on a date with Jason. So, wow. Um, it's a beautiful love story. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, wow. It's like I'm dating myself and another human. I know that. No, that is exactly what it's like. You have yeah. to date yourself too. Yeah. Okay. So give us three of your favorite, most inspiring things right now. So it could be a book, um, a food, a destination, a song, a person. Oh, okay. What's kind of got your attention right now? Um, book. I am reading, let me see, I actually have it right here. Um, I'm reading Between the World and Me by Tanashi Coates. And whew, it is quite a book. Um, it's basically this man who's writing to his son um, about growing up in a racial neighborhood, like just growing up with being black and like what that's like and what people don't realize about growing up black versus white. And, um, I don't know, it's just really, it's like kind of heavy, but also like needed. So this has been like a really good book to just kind of learn a little bit more, um, and try to understand with everything going on right now and how we can help. And like what we just need to do is as white people or, um, passing as white people to understand, um, and why so many people are angry about, everything going on and like why it's justified so that's been a really inspiring book um what else inspiring person right now um I mean I I'm kind of just inspired in general by like everything going on in social media like the fact that so many people are rallying against the Black Lives Matter movement and like making donations and um just like making emails to like email threads or um, email templates for people to, uh, you know, email senators and governors and try to just get attention about like, you know, the, the officer should be arrested who killed Breonna Taylor. Um, just stuff like that I think is like really important. And I'm, I'm proud of what I'm seeing on my feed. Um, so I think that's really good. And there's also like some influencers I've been following a lot more black influencers now um, which has been great. So I love that. Um, and then an influencer that I just like adore and I always love her feed. It's called the bird's papaya. Um, her name's Sarah. She's in Canada. And I just like love the things that she says. She's a smart person. Um, but she's all about like body positivity too. Um, and she, I just love her feed. I love her style. Like I like the things that she puts out there. I'll Um, definitely have to check her out then. Yeah. The bird's papaya. The bird's papaya. Her name's Sarah. Um, So I really, really like her right now. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Yeah, I guess like some advice I would maybe give my younger self. Yeah. um, Would be to just, I guess like 
not don't like fall for what everyone else says like what the media says and what you're led to believe about diet culture like honestly if I could just go back I'd be like just don't diet (laughs) it's like just stop just don't just don't do it um because I think it does so much damage to mental health um and go to therapy that's one that I'd be like that's a good one I literally believe everyone should go to therapy it does not matter if you don't feel like you have a problem right now it's like that's not the point it's like to also prevent stuff and it's all about learning just like how you can handle situations and how you can understand like another person's point of view before you jump to a conclusion or if you can just take in something and breathe before you just like react. Um, I just think therapy has been like one of the best things for me and I just love my therapist. Like, I don't know what I would do without her at this point. I'm like, that's, I think she saved me in a lot of ways. Like we even talk about now of just, you know, when I used to go into my therapy sessions in the beginning and I was wearing like sweats and a t-shirt, my hair wasn't done. I had no makeup on and I was just crying like every single session, just hysterically crying, hating myself, saying that I'm ugly. I'll never be worthy. I'm never going to have a boyfriend. I'm going to die alone. And it's like, now my therapist is always like, yeah, remember that time because now you're like living with your boyfriend and you're about to get a dog together. So <laughs> I'm like, I know it's like wild. Um, I think even I don't know. with therapy, I mean, it's such a good piece of advice. Um, I think even, you know, just hearing yourself verbalize your thoughts out loud can be super helpful. Um, I think sometimes when you hear yourself say something, it sounds different than the way it sounds in your head. Yeah. A hundred percent. So that probably honestly was the best advice I ever got was go to therapy, <laughs> which, you know, but it's, it's true. Which like, might not be easy to hear at the time, but it is good advice. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly true is like, we just, cause we were kind of grown up to believe that like, Oh, therapy, like you're going to a shrink. Like they're gonna, like you have that many problems or whatever. And it's like, it shouldn't be like that. Like there really shouldn't be that kind of stigma around therapy because therapy is awesome. Like it, it's more than you just like talking to a stranger. It's like somebody who's non-biased who can look outside of your problems, like what's going on in your head and make you realize things that you probably wouldn't have even thought of. And they also help you figure out the problem yourself. Like they don't tell you how to fix something. They make Mm -hmm. you do the work to figure it out. So Mm -hmm. I just love therapy. And that would definitely be my advice too, is go to therapy. That's such valuable advice. <laughs> well, thank you for being on. It was so fun chatting with you. Um, so where can everybody find you? On Instagram, on your website, pimp yourself out. Um, so on Instagram, I am Ariel Says. Um, my website is arielsays.com. And uh, is there anything else I want to promote? I guess that's it. Pretty much just Instagram. Ariel Amazing. Says. Website, Ariel <laughs> Says. Pretty easy. Amazing. Like to know it. Ariel Says. Ariel Says. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode with Ariel. If you've gotten as much value as I have, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. Also, if you're not already subscribed to the Olaguapa newsletter, stop by the site and scroll to the bottom of the homepage to submit your details. Each week, you'll get shop updates, including new product drops, exclusive offers, plus new podcast episodes as they launch, and much more.